These are fascinating times in the sports world, and we're here to talk about them on Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Stars Daily Sports Podcast. It's Thursday, August 27th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Nationally, three NBA playoff games, four Major League Baseball games, and five Major League Soccer games, plus some WNBA games, were called off on Wednesday amid protests over the shooting by police in Kenosha, Wisconsin, of Jacob Blake. The Royals played their game in St. Louis last night, losing in miserable fashion, by the way, by surrendering four runs in the bottom of the ninth. The Chiefs practiced on Thursday morning, but other teams like the Packers, Lions, Colts, Jets, and Washington did not. Other teams, like the Ravens and Eagles, announced they were holding workouts. So we'll be keeping an eye on those developments throughout the day. On today's show, we'll hear what Andy Reid had to say about the incident that triggered the protests. It was an unprompted, heartfelt message. But first, we're going to hear from Chiefs President Mark Donovan. He oversees the team's business operations, and in his first sit-down with reporters since, I believe, the Super Bowl, Donovan spoke to the decision to have fans in the stands, both for practice and the first few home games, the Chiefs' approach to Native American imagery, and the team's role in encouraging voting, including something of a surprise announcement about a polling place. We'll play the entire interview with Mark Donovan. So let's get started. Hey, Mark, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm well, Adam, how are you? Good, thank you. A um, couple things, Mark. Um, what is it about Arrowhead or the Chiefs or Kansas City where the Chiefs felt comfortable selling tickets to the games where um, so many NFL teams and other pro sports teams haven't felt comfortable, at least to this point. And also, at 22% of capacity, how many tickets is that exactly? Uh, let me take that backwards or forward. So, uh, roughly 16,000 um, tickets out of, you know, 75 or so uh, that we typically would have. I think what makes us comfortable is our plan. And I, I'm late and I apologize for being late. Um, I was on a league call and we were talking about that and I was asked to present um, to the league on our plan and our success this past Saturday and our plan for Saturday and our plan for Thursday uh, for opening kickoff. And, you know, we are very confident in our plan. Um, we've said this numerous times and we'll say it again and we will reiterate it that our plan is only as good as compliance and the following of directions, following of the protocol for our staff, for our players, for our coaches, for our fans. Um, it's, it's critical that everybody follow the protocols. But if they do, we feel pretty confident that we can do this. We're not alone. We are definitely in the minority when you look across the league. I think there are five or six teams that are going to go with, uh, with tickets and fans in the stands for the first week. And then I know six to ten are contemplating after week two or three um, and then beyond. So, um, we take the responsibility very seriously. We understand, and, and I said this on the call that I was on earlier, we understand that you know, we've got to get this right. And we've got to be very diligent in our processes and our protocols in order to be successful, in order to have another game with fans. And we know that uh, other teams and other leagues are going to be looking at us. Um, I would also say we're not alone in sports, right? Um, Last night's sporting here in Kansas City hosted fans successfully, as far as I've heard. Um, and other teams and other markets are hosting fans. So uh, we're hopeful. Uh, we're confident in the plan. 
And um, we appreciate all the support we've gotten from medical experts who helped us put that plan together. Let's go to Herbie T.O.P. Go ahead, Herbie. Hey, Mark, thank you so much for uh, taking a moment to chat with us. Um, you, you mentioned discipline for, for folks, but there's also that human element that you always have to concern, concern yourself with. So what kind of system is in place to ensure that the people who are charged to ensure that the, the safety policies are being followed are actively identifying and correcting violations um, such as not wearing a mask when you're inside the stadium? Yeah, for those of you who are at the stadium, um, I hope you'll agree with this statement um, in talking with Dr. Archer about his, what he has heard about our event last Saturday. Um, you know, protocols were followed. I was very impressed with our fans and their ability and their compliance with putting on their mask as soon as they are approaching someone. You know, I was very impressed that parking in the tailgate area, they were wearing masks for the most part. Um, and it, and this is not an excuse, and I want to be crystal clear on this. Uh, we have to do a lot more to your question to continue to communicate, to make people aware that it is really important, even in your seats, to wear your mask. But for all of us in Kansas City, I used this example with Dr. Sills from the NFL the other day, and he, he actually fed it back to me. It's the exact same situation in Nashville. If you think about our experience over the last few months, where we're going out to restaurants and we're actually interacting in public, we're going to schools. Um, you know, my experience this past weekend in the plaza going to a restaurant with my wife is very consistent with our experience across any sort of public interaction. As soon as we get out of the car, we put our mask on. And when we're traversing to the restaurant, we put our mask on. We see the hostess to get our seat where we have our mask on. We walk to our table, we have our mask on. We sit down at our table, we take our mask off. And we don't put it back on in between eating and drinking, right? So our normal process is that. And I think that's one of the things that, ca that came across on Saturday was, you know, I talked to a few of our season ticket members and I said, just, I need to enforce this. I need to reinforce the importance of wearing the mask in the stands. And the dad looked at me and said, Mark, I wore the mask everywhere you told me to. I'm sitting in a seat. There's no one within 10 feet of me. And I'm with my family who I sleep with and eat with and, and spend all my time with without, without a mask. I appreciate it, but it's 95 degrees and hot. I took my mask off for a minute. And I said, look, I hear you. I hear you loud and clear. But as we get more people in, as we're closer together, we have more interactions, more um, cross traffic. We all have to be disciplined. And, and that's really where we are. So to your question on enforcement, we'll have more people. We'll have more staff. We'll have more messaging. We'll, you'll see some stuff this Saturday, which is very in-your-face um, signage, you know, we're going to walk up and down aisles with a little sign that says, hey, wear your mask, even if you're sitting. Um, so we got a lot to learn. We got a lot to work through. Um, and we need a lot of cooperation from our fans to make this successful. Let's go to Nate Taylor. Go ahead, Nate. Okay, there was a technical difficulty here. Nate was asking Mark Donovan about the incident at an MLS game in Dallas earlier this month when some fans booed, chanted USA, and threw things on the field as players took a knee in protest while wearing Black Lives Matter shirts during the national anthem. The situation uh, has an impact on the Chiefs if players want to make a similar gesture before, during, or after the national anthem. Um, and then secondly, to go to what you guys have done um, with indigenous people and trying to understand how to better position the organization in a correct manner. I think you mentioned earlier how a Purple Heart was sort of a denomination in terms of understanding the situation. Just what did you learn yourself from those 
communications? And then what would you try to express to fans who may also um, not follow that rule if they come to the games this season? Okay. Um, two very different angles on questions. So the first one, I would say we learned a lot from the FC Dallas situation. I think everyone across sports learned a lot from that situation. Um, and we take all that learning into what we're talking about here. Um, I think um, to your second question about uh, the American Indian um, and what I've learned, I'd say I've been a bit redundant on this, so I apologize, but we've been doing this for six and a half years. Um, this isn't a new issue for us. And I shared some personal stories of, you know, the first few meetings, Johnny Leonard reached out to me and said, can we have coffee? And he explained sort of, here's how this is viewed and here are some of the issues that we should be discussing. We set up a, a larger meeting with people and, and got into the depth of that. And, and I walked away from that first meeting, you know, a little bit embarrassed about my lack of knowledge and a little bit inspired about if you have the knowledge, it becomes pretty clear. Now, everybody's going to have opinions on all these issues, and I respect that. Um, but for me personally, you know, I didn't understand what a headdress or a war bonnet was. I didn't understand what it represented. And to have an American Indian explain the sacredness of that and how every single feather is earned and what it means in their community, it's a pretty easy answer. Let's educate people. Let's share that story. Let's create awareness around that. And, you know, the, the great thing about our working group is that there was, there's good discussion about it. Well, how do we do that? And then how do we have set a realistic goal? And the realistic goal we had was if we can just explain this to a fan we see in the parking lot who's wearing a headdress, we feel confident we'd convert them into, you know, you can face, you can paint your face. You can wear a crazy hat. You can wear a wig. You can wear a headband. You can wear jewelry you can you can create your own character do all that be a fan but understand you know just throwing the headdress on because you bought it at a five and dime store and think it's cool it's not let's go to blair kirkoff go ahead blair hi mark and, and just following up on that um the um you, you all i guess last week when you announced the headdress and the face painting you also said that uh you were looking at uh, the Arrowhead Chop as well. I'm just wondering what, what goes into those discussions. Yeah, along the same lines um, of the discussion we had around headdress and war bonnet um, and face paint. Just education. Um, again, redundant on the story, but you know, the drum came back to Arrowhead as part of trying to bring the traditions and honoring the traditions that were started in municipal. Um, you know, we've all seen, many of us have seen that black and white footage of cheerleaders banging the drum as the players came down the walkway through the stands in Municipal. And we were trying to figure out ways that we could bring that back. Again, a little bit uh, embarrassed and inspired that we didn't realize the sacred position of the drum in the American Indian culture. Um, when that was explained to us, we went to them and said, okay, how do we make this work? What are our options? What are the things that we can do? And that's where we came up with the, they came up with the idea and shared with us the idea of blessing of the four directions, blessing the drum itself, acknowledging what it is and can creating, again, awareness and education. Um, so the drum has become a very big part of the Arrowhead experience. It's become a very big part of the opening of our games. Um, 
we've we started to work and started some discussions about trying again to educate and make people aware of the sacred position of the drum in the American Indian culture, but also that it's, it's seen as sort of the heartbeat of that culture. And, you know, when you, when you hear things like that, it's easy to latch onto that and say, okay, it's kind of the heartbeat of the stadium too. And we can debate that, right? People can argue otherwise, but it is a way to unify our fans. It is a way to bring people together at that moment and other moments throughout the game. So how do we do that? And how do we do it in a respectful way? And that's what we're working on right now. I think one of the best things that has come out of this for us as an organization and the groups that we are working with is an understanding that it's going to take some time. This isn't overnight. This is, these aren't things that we're going to be able to successfully change one way or the other overnight. And we're going to continue to work on that. And that's the, that's the communication we had around the drum. Let's take a break here and come back with more from Chiefs President Mark Donovan. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Go to Darren Smith. Go ahead, Darren. Uh, first of all, Mark, thank you so very much. And uh, been glad for this opportunity. I kind of got three questions I'm asking quickly, but... Uh, the organization, what, what, what is the justification during these pandemic times to quote-unquote price gouge 450% on the ticket prices? For example, there's a season ticket member who complained about their ticket going from $48 to $60. Now it's $260 for that same exact seat. Second, I know you all partner with uh, Hy-Vee. Has there been any discussion with them about why they don't have stores in the 3rd and 5th District? And since you all reside in the 5th District, I know – uh, both Patrick and Tyron have credited you with spearheading this voter registration drive. I'm more interested in specifics, not in generalities on this, but again, you all reside in the third district. I appreciate everything that you all are doing nationwide. Uh, however, as a voter, uh, as a resident, as a former committee man, someone who's ran local and national campaigns, what have you all done specifically uh, to this point, And who are the, some of the power brokers within the third and fifth district that you've met with uh, regarding registered voters, because I haven't seen anything personally. I've offered my services to help uh, register voters because I've done that before. And then finally, uh, within that, we have 70 days until election day. What can we expect from the organization and the team on election day that will help African-American voters in Kansas City in the 3rd and 5th District get out to the polls? Because it's not necessary in Overland Park, Olathe, Blue Springs, North Kansas City. So I'd like some specifics if you're able to give that. Okay, I might ask you to remind me of one of those That's fine. questions in there. <laughs> That's fine. Um, let me start with voter registration. Um, and I, I probably disagree with you that it's not necessary in other, in other communities. Because well, there, well, I well voter what registration, I say by that, just suppression, suppression well, more or less. Voter registration and voter engagement, uh, I personally believe is very important. Um, and the people exercising the right to vote, I personally believe is very important. Um, to your question of what we're doing and how we're doing it, um, so I think Patrick, Tyron, others, um, really proud, 
I personally, and I know as an organization, we're really proud to be associated with those guys in, in their efforts. Um, you know, I, I appreciate that they, they mentioned that we've had those discussions and I've been in those discussions. Um, we have some plans to do things in and around this election that are going to be focused on number one, awareness of the importance of voting. Number two, creating awareness of the ways people can register to vote, the ways people can engage, and doing that through the experts in that space. Rise to Vote, some of the league is working with, somebody we are actively working with today. They've met with us as an organization. They've met with our players. They're gonna meet with our staff as well as our stadium staff to make sure that everybody's aware of the opportunities they have to register to vote and to vote. To your question on third and fifth district, I think one of the most compelling things that we can do to address that directly is we've got a plan right now, which is not final. And I'll, I'll share with you all that we're committed to doing it, um, but it has some challenges. We want to make Arrowhead a polling location. We want to create an opportunity for people to come to Arrowhead and vote. And in addition to that, with the awareness, you're going to see a lot of things around the highest points of awareness for us as an organization that are going to be focused on voting and the awareness of voting and ways to vote. Um, one of the reasons that I personally, and I think this organization believes that that's a, that's a platform that we need to get behind is the beauty of the vote. You can have different opinions. You can vote for different people, but vote. And that's really what we're trying to engage in. To your question on hy V, um, we've had a lot of discussions about hy V and their expansion plans. I honestly don't have a specific answer for you on whether they've looked at those districts. Um, you know, we've been working for many years since I've gotten here with leaders in the city on the food desert issue and how do we create more opportunities to create healthy options within those communities. Um, and your first question was about, as you put it, price gouging. So um, let me just say this on, on that issue because I've seen some reports on it. Um, what we did in putting together our plan for how do we take a stadium from 76, 75, 76,000 seats down to 16,000 seats and equally and fairly distribute those tickets to our season ticket members. Um, as you can imagine, when you do the math, it's pretty quickly, you can't. Um, so what we did was we said all, all season ticket members will have the opportunity to move their tickets to 21. There'll be benefits and incentives to do that. We've locked in their pricing, flat pricing for next year. They have the opportunity to win free tickets to games. Um, there are a lot of different benefits that are in there. Our season ticket um, sales staff has done a great job on. And then we sat down and said, how do we make this fair and equitable in terms of the tickets we do have? Um, on the pricing issue, in May, when our schedule, right around May when our schedule was released, we announced our single game ticket pricing. In May, when we announced those prices, we were assuming we were going to have 76,000 people in the stadium. And those prices were based on a lot of very complicated algorithms and data that we use to understand the market and understand what the value of those tickets are in this market. Before we reduced to 16,000 seats, before we went through any of these changes, we set those prices, those prices. We haven't changed those prices. They're exactly what they were. Those are single game prices and they're based on the value of those tickets in the marketplace. I know there's been a lot and we completely 
understand and expected the response because it is a significant jump. Number one, that's the value of having a season ticket member, having a season ticket plan. You have the benefit of those prices, those ticket prices being much below market value, but you're committed to the full season. The single game option gives you the option to pay a little more, in some cases a lot more, because you're buying one game. So you're not, you're not obligated to buy the full season. You're buying one game and you're paying what the market rate is. Now I defend the market rate, and I think most of you who are in this, uh, who are interested in this issue will probably have already done the research. We're pretty good from a data standpoint, an algorithm standpoint, and our team of understanding what the ticket's really worth and being below that number. So even though, again, acknowledging that there's significant jumps, person who buys a ticket to our Houston Texans game today at the price that we're selling it at can put that in the secondary market that minute and make more money, hundreds of dollars more based on their location. In some cases, you know, a $400 ticket is going for $1,000 on the secondary marketplace. So what we're trying to do is be fair, but represent the market. Let's go to Therese Paler. Go ahead, Therese. Hey, Mark, how you doing? Thank you for doing this. Sure. Um, you know, just kind of following up on the pricing model, how have sales been going for you guys? You know, I feel like I ask you that every year, but with these prices being above the norm, like how have sales been going? And one more thing, the passion of your fans, does it kind of, wherever it's at, does that kind of speak to that as well, the passion of your fans? Well, to answer your first part of the question of how sales have gone exactly as we expected. Um, and, you know, I, I get the opportunity to sit up here and say things like that, but it's really our sales team. Um, Tyler Kirby, Tyler Epp, the people who are in that department for us, they really know their business. Um, and when you look at what the projections are going to be, and as you can imagine, Therese, you and I have had enough discussions to know kind of how I'm wired on these things. So, there's a pretty high expectation, a pretty high bar on exactly where we're going to be and how we're going to be and our projections have to be right. We're exactly where we thought we were going to be. Um, the demand is, um, it's, in, it's an interesting way of doing it because we're doing it by tenure. Going back to the point of fairness, we had to figure out a way to give every single one of our season ticket members an opportunity, but we've had longer tenured um, and shorter tenured season ticket members. So we've gone in, in waves and allowed the longest tenured season ticket members the opportunity to buy first, then the next, and then the next. And we're probably, I won't have the exact, but we're probably only 30% through our seasons and ticket members. And the interesting part for me, at least, in looking at the data is you've got a lot of people, you know, longer tenured um, season ticket members. Again, it's a mix, but if you look at demographically, you could have some people who may be medically challenged, may have conditions, may be in our older demographic and may be less likely to want to come to a game where they've got to go through all these protocols and do all these things. Um, we believe that as we get our projections show that as we get closer and to the newer tenured season ticket members, the percentage of people who buy within those pods are going to be much higher. Um, but we, we really set out our model, set out a goal, which is going to be tough to achieve, but we think we're going to get there that every single season ticket member, whether you're a 50 year plus season ticket member, or whether you signed on with us next, last year for the first year, will have the opportunity to purchase tickets to games this year. 
when you're talking about 17,000 tickets, 16,000 tickets, it's, it's a tough math to figure out, but we feel like we're trending towards that. All right, guys, we've got time for a few more questions. Let's go with Sam Mellinger next. Go ahead, Sam. Hey, uh, Mark, thanks for doing this. I, uh, with the, the pricing, I just want to follow up on something. I, I know your focus is the health part of it, right, of you know getting the protocols in place and all that, but there has to be a financial part of this too. I'm just wondering, was there a sort of a standard that you guys had to hit on you know, making this worth it, for lack of a better term, you know, making sure that you, that you would have enough money to make this worth it? Yeah, I know that question has been out there nationally as well as locally. Um, the numbers don't pencil out. I mean, you, you, can't, you can't really make the numbers work when you're talking about that, that amount of tickets. Um, so this isn't about that. This is about creating an experience and continuing the experience at Arrowhead, giving our fans the opportunity to be there for some really special moments. Um, to some, it may sound a little bit um, contrived, but, uh, but honestly, we're raising a banner on September 10th, and we want our fans to be part of that. We're really struggling with the fact that only 16,000 are going to be able to be a part of that in live and in person, but that's a, that's a lifelong memory, and it's going to be different. It's not going to be exactly what we wanted, um, but it, it is something that was really important to us as a franchise, and I will speak for the Hunt family on that. I mean, that was, that was a big driver on figure out a way to get our fans in safely. They need to be part of this, and, and that's been a big driver for us as a business. Let's go to Sam McDowell. Go ahead, Sam. Hey, Mark. Thanks for doing this. Um, just to take from, from your leadoff thing about the fans, um, you mentioned that it's going to take compliance to make this work. What's sort of the process of enforceability for those that aren't being compliant in the stadium? Yeah, so we're going to continue to learn and continue to um, try to understand how we, how we can better enforce that. Um, as Again, again I'll, I'll cite that you'll see some new things this weekend with signage and with more staffing focused on that issue, specifically walking up and down the aisles, making sure they're, they're just reminding people um, to put their masks on. Uh, we don't want to be in a situation where we're, you know, evicting someone or arresting someone or anything like that. Um, but we think that we have enough systems and enough communication in place where we can enforce that it's to protect all of us. Um, and, you know, we can get into some science conversations about, you know, distance and volume. And, you know, one of the biggest things we have to our advantage is we're an outdoor stadium. Um, but we also have to listen to the experts. And the experts are telling us that, yeah, you're an outdoor stadium, but you're not just sitting and eating dinner. You're standing and cheering and yelling and screaming. And those are all things that factor into the risks associated. And those risks are significantly decreased if you wear a mask. Um, so those are the kind of things we're going to be focused on. Let's close it out with Sarin Petro. Go ahead, Sarin. Uh, Mark, thank you for the time. Like, uh, like everyone said, we do appreciate you taking the time out today. I'm curious, just specifically, you touched a little bit on the subject of, you know, when the question was asked about the D uh, Dallas uh, soccer team and kind of the reaction. I, I spoke with one reporter the other day who said that he has spoken with the Players Association and that they are definitely planning demonstrations, that they are coming. Uh, assuming that's the case, are you going to be working with them to be a part of that demonstration? We had Bill O'Brien uh, in Houston say he will be kneeling with his players. Are, are, are the Chiefs, coaching staff, the organization, Clark Hunt, working actively to be a part of the demonstration? Or is it simply going to be a, a case where you stand back and say, okay, whatever you guys want to do, do it? Yeah, I'd go back to um, 
some of the things we said when all of this started to become as big an issue as it's become. And it's definitely something that needs to be addressed and it's definitely something that needs our attention. Um, you know, if you go back to what, end of May, beginning of June, um, you know, we as an organization, we sat and talked about this as an organization, players, coaches, football operations staff, our own executive staff. And we made a decision to shut our website down and, and just say that right now, the important thing is to really, one of our principles, unite our community. You know, unity is more important now than ever. And, and we need to continue to do that. And that's been our theme. You know, when the players video came out early on in this process, I was really proud to be part of the team that said, we've got to, we got to support this. We got to go out with a statement. We we're the first state. I believe we were the first team in the national football league to respond to that video. And, and I'm most proud of the message we sent that night. And it was late at night and it was Clark, myself and a few others on a phone call just saying, the message we want people to hear and the message we want our players to hear is that we love and support them. And we're part of a family. Just like any family, there are passions on all sides. And what we've said is in discussions that I've been in with our players, with Clark and with Coach and with Brett and with others, let's love each other, let's support each other, and let's respect each other. And that's really what we're going to continue to do. We, we're going to meet and have more discussions about this, um, and you'll be hearing more from us as we go. Um, but that's, that's really the, the, the approach that we take to issues like this. Mark, we appreciate your time today. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Hope to see you guys soon. That was Chiefs President Mark Donovan. Before he spoke on Wednesday, Andy Reid met the media, and after giving the injury report that opens every media session, he had something he wanted to say about the Jacob Blake shooting in Kenosha, Wisconsin. So listen, as far as the injuries go, um, it's kind of the same guys I mentioned to you the other day. Uh, Tyreek uh, did get some work today, so um, that's he's headed in the right direction as he did the other day. Other than that, it's the same guys. Uh, everybody's making progress, and it was good to have the guys out there that were out there working. Um, listen, I'm going to just put, put in my 10 cents uh, on the Jacob situation. Um, listen, I'm, I, I think you guys know I'm, I'm in a team. I'm in the uh, peace and, uh, and people getting along. And so uh, right or wrong, we all, need to, we all need to join hands, man, here and, and uh, make this world a place where we can go into each other's neighborhoods and be comfortable and um, that we appreciate life and how important it is, how hard it is to create life, something that really none of us are capable of doing uh, in a test tube. So it's a, it's a precious thing, man. It's complicated and it's precious. And uh, we, we need to, at this time, we, everybody needs to come together and, and join hands, like I said, and, and uh, and love each other for, for what we are and the privilege that we have in this short period of time that we're on earth, uh, as opposed to walking in fear, to walk with strength and pride and make this country uh, the greatest place ever, along with the world. We do that and we'll be a great example to the world. So, um, but my, my heart goes out to uh, Jacob and his family in, in that situation. Uh, I don't know the whole story, but I just, I, I hate seeing um, the way things, the way things are going right now. And, uh, we're better than that 
absolutely better than that. And, and we can, uh, like I said, we, we respect each other and we're going to be in a great, great place. Anyways, uh, with that, time's yours. Let's go to Adam Teicher. Go ahead, Adam. Hey, Andy, how are you doing today? I'm good, Adam. Good. Um, hey, Andy, it certainly looks like that you all, despite the unusual circumstances, are getting a, a lot of good work in at practice. I uh, just want to know if you feel that way and whether you, uh, how you feel about what you've been able to accomplish to this point in camp. Yeah, no, I, I listen, I'm proud of the guys and the way they're pushing through. They're doing it with a great attitude. Um, and and so uh, we're getting better. And and, um, and we got to keep we got to keep going with this and finish up uh, the camp strong because we have a great a great challenge. Our our first game and uh, and so with uh, with the Texans. So we understand that. And. Um, you know, we know how tough they are. So we're, we're preparing uh, for the season still. We're not preparing necessarily for a team right this minute as far as plays go. We're, uh, we're still doing our training camp plays and, and working through those. Let's go to Herbie. Go ahead, Herbie. Hey, Coach, in light of the, what you just mentioned there about the Jacob Blake situation, the Lions yesterday canceled practice and they held team meetings about it. I'm curious. How much thought went into doing that on your end? And then did you have a team meeting with the players to discuss their feelings on that situation? Yeah, so, Herbie, one of the great advantages I've got here is I have a great locker room that communicates. And so I'm able to talk to the guys and get a feel with the guys. Um, there's obviously concern, and um, uh, but not to where we felt like we, we needed to do that. We, we were able to go forward but um, on this. But we also understand where things need to go. And... And where we all need to work, we all need to work forward on this. And um, uh, again, I, I think with that, we're all we're all we're, we're, we're we've got great people in this country, and and uh, we need to bring that part out in us as opposed to the negative and uh, get ourselves right. Let's go to Nate Taylor. Go ahead, Nate. Hey, Andy. Thanks for doing this. Yeah. Nate. Uh, to follow on Herbie's question, when the guys come to you about a certain situation that has occurred this summer, whether it's with Jacob or previously, just how do those conversations go with those players and just how valuable is it from your perspective to hear what players say they feel when a certain uh, incident occurs in our country? Yeah, I listen. I mean, that's what I do. Um, I, I try to do the same thing with my kids and, and people that I come in contact with. I mean, it's no different. I I mean, you can learn from everybody. And, and so, um, and then there's concerns right now. And, and so um, they're being addressed. Um, uh, and, and things that, you know, change is always a little uncomfortable for people. In our business, we, we have a lot of change and it's constantly happening. And, and so, uh, but, but you, you gotta, you gotta listen, you gotta sit and make sure that, uh, you know, you keep open communication with it. So, uh, and that's, I'm lucky, like I said, I'm lucky to have a locker room that does that and uh, and players that talk about it and guys that listen uh, to each other. And so, and if we can just put color aside and enjoy each other's culture, man, we all come from different places. We're all wired a little different. If we can just bring it together, man, and enjoy each other's, uh, what we're all about as opposed to taking the negative and let's throw that out the window and, and get this thing right, you know. Go to Sam Nellinger. Go ahead, Sam. 
Hey, Andy, um, that's all really well said. I've got, uh, I guess, kind of an off-the-wall football question for you, though. Um, you, you've talked a lot. We've asked you a lot about, you know, sort of Patrick's experimentation on the field, you know, see what he can get away with and what he can't. I, I'm, I don't know that I've ever heard you talk about the genesis of that. Like, I, I don't remember you saying that with Alex, for instance. I'm just wondering if that part of how you direct Patrick in practice is sort of let it fly, let's see what you can do is, is different than, than quarterbacks you've had in the past. No, I, listen, I did the same thing with Alex. I, I just said, hey, try it now. I mean, we're, we're going to ask a few different things of you. There are some things that even in Alex's long career that he had before he got here, uh, there might be some things that you haven't, you haven't tried before. And so let's see what you can get away with. And um, Alex was great with it. Um, I, I mentioned, I believe, during training camps, uh, uh, you know, up at St. Joe, that I, I, when I first got here, I was asked about interceptions. And I, you know, I mean, that's... Uh, there, there, there are ones where guys are working on, and then there's ones where guys scramble around. And they just they throw it up, a, a sloppy interception. So the other ones, uh, you can judge and see that they're trying to uh, work and see what they can get away with with the play. I think that's so important. I, um, and, and Mike Holmgren, uh, if I got it from somebody, that's where I got it from. So, yeah. <clears throat> We've got three more hands up. Let's go right down the line. We'll go with Darren first. Go ahead, Darren. Thank you very much, Coach. Uh, my question, because uh, I don't know if you specifically answered it, but uh, with the Detroit Lions canceling their practice, what was, if there were any conversations with you all as the defending Super Bowl champion, canceling uh, in regards to protesting? Because I think that carries a lot more weight than the Detroit Lions doing it. And then secondly, with what took place with Rashad Breeland in the offseason, um, you know, the police, uh, as we continue to see shooting unarmed black men that are being shot by them, what have you and your coaches either set a time side or set a time conversation to have with your players, both black and white, in regards to interactions with the police? Uh, so, Derek, we, we actually, I mean, you asked it a, a, at a time when we, we've been having meetings throughout training camp on it. And the league and the, and the union have done a nice job collectively of bringing uh, this issue um, and issues together. I think they've done a great job of of teaching and um and so that's where that's where we're at right now it's a matter of doing and and getting this getting this done and um where people really respect each other and um i see it every day i wish everybody could see this i see it every day uh, of guys coming in and they respect each other they respect each other's background they're willing to listen when we've had these joint meetings uh, about this, about situations on racism. Everybody contributes, whether they're black or white, it doesn't matter. Um, there, you know, there, there's nothing holding back uh, the communication. And I think as long as we do that, I think the, the, we're, we're in no better hands than what we are with the young people in America right now because they understand change and they're, they're going to demand it. And, um, and so, listen, you. Uh, we keep working at it. We're, we're going to get this right, um, and uh, you know that's 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 where we're at. Yeah. We'll go to our final two, Sarin, and then Herbie to finish it. Go ahead, Sarin. Uh, Coach uh, Mike Pinnell, uh It's been announced he's suspended for the two games. Uh, first of all, can, can you uh, tell us how that process works for you? Like, when do you become aware of that and start your planning? Like, I, I assume you knew far before we did right and so how long do you have to be working that in your mind and then that's going to be two games the first two games without uh two pretty important pieces to uh to that defense that came together in the second half how much does this set you guys back being without Breland and Pinnell in those first two games 
Yeah, so listen, they're good football players. So, uh, but you know how we how we operate. So everybody has a chance to get in and compete, and we expect backups. Uh, uh, you know, not to uh, to be able to step in and, and play. And um, and one thing Brett's done is he's brought all this competition here to uh, for that reason. Uh, to uh, so if something goes wrong, then you can fill it in and with a good football player. So that's where we're at. Um, and, and we'll keep working on it. As far as the suspensions go, when they let us know, I, I listen. <laughs> and, uh, and then they, it, it's, it's not as easy a process. They, they might let you know that something is going to potentially happen, and then they let us know when it does happen. So. Go to Herbie to close it. Go ahead, Herbie. Hey, Coach, I want to draw on your experience um, from coaching so many mega superstars over your career, from Brett Favre to T.O., Brian Dawkins. What is it about Patrick Mahomes' demeanor and, and his character that, that has him equipped to handle being the face of the franchise and even the new face of the NFL? Yeah, so I go all, I'll go back to Reggie White, uh, who is a phenomenal uh, Hall of Famer, right? So, um, and, and really, Brett Favre. These guys, uh, when I was young in the league, um, I, I just noticed that the, the great ones want you to give them one more thing to even be greater than they already are. And they're very humble that way, and they always they always continue to learn, and that's um, uh, that's the process in which Pat goes, and he wants you to coach him. I guess is maybe the best thing, Herbie, that I could say. And and uh, any little thing that you can give him where his game can be better, he's willing to listen. And and uh, and then on top of that, like I mentioned the other day, for the young guys, the young kids out there that are coming up as quarterbacks, you look at him, you go, oh, he's natural. Well, no, he. He does have some natural ability, yes, but he works at it. He, he's not just complacent with where he's at. He's always working on his game. I mean, the hours that he spends going over the plays when he's away from the building um, is, I mean, it's a tribute to the kid. He's completely dedicated to it. And I just think for, for young kids that are coming up, college kids, high school, uh, the, the youth leagues, that um, this guy goes about it the right way and uh it's it's fun to watch you know that'll do it for today thanks to our production staff of Derek donovan randy mason beth welsh jeff rosen chris fickett and savannah smith links to stories about the chiefs can be found in the show notes and on kansascity.com hey earlier in the episode you heard me talk about the sports pass offer it still stands and still a good one 30 bucks for a year's worth of sports coverage and that includes Sports Extra that comes with the E-Edition. There's more than 50 additional pages of national sports coverage today. Well, here's an even better offer. Buy the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports, news, features, commentary, analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional news, sports, and business coverage with the E-Edition. The details can be found at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. That's account dot kansascity.com slash subscribe and whether it's the sports pass or the full subscription you're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in kansas city and helping us produce programs like sports kc thanks for listening and we'll be back on friday with another episode <music>